0: I had a golden dream childhood, absolutely dream. Worked with my uncle on the payboats. 14, I left school to go and work for him full time, but I had to go to school once the season had finished. I had to go back to school and I had to keep up my grades. Otherwise, I had to chuck my job in, and that wasn't gonna happen, so it meant pull my head out of my arse and work at school as well as working so I had to do complete year 11 that was the rules my parents set down fine did it got it now I'm a deck hand on I can do anything I want good money um never look back I mean I was in big money every year six months work six months off six months work and earn more money than you poke a stick at I had, I had the golden job I still love being a decky never if I could still work today I'd still be on the boats. So I loved it. How did it end? How did... oh, I broke my hip. Yeah, being incomplete and a dickhead. But yeah, so that had I done the right thing and let it heal properly, which you can't tell somebody that. You know, especially men, you can't tell them. They won't listen. And it's never been so right since, it's still to this day, gives me, And I finally, and it's only come the last year, that I've got it through my thick head, sort of, that I'll never work a cray boat again, you know? And that's that was probably the hardest thing I've ever had to accept, that I'm too old. But, I don't know, we cling to things, you know? I started getting into drugs Uh, 15, started smoking pot and shit like that, 18, I in between hand-handed a couple of trips, a couple of marshes, nothing major, you know, just dabbling here and there. Then when I was 18, I got some speed. I had no idea what I was going to do with it, because I had no idea what you do with speed. I was about seventy, So I went and seen this guy I knew, he was a bit older. Oh, you put that in a needle and use it. No, it's horrifying, isn't it? he goes, you should try it. And I'm a dickhead and tried it. But the rush was there. And I'm there, <laughs> oh, yeah. So for the next three months, I didn't straighten up. Off of there. I just hit the amphetamines hard. So then it was amphetamine use started. But then I stopped taking it because it was just, I don't know, more alcohol was accepted where I come from, so amphetamines frowned on, so nothing, up until I was 40, oh, I can't remember how old I was. You're only two of you on a boat, so there's myself and the skipper, and I used to take a load of needles to work with me, because uh, he's on there, the skipper's in the wheelhouse, I'm on the deck. So you get breaks between pots and that. He, he won't come out on the deck, because I've told him straight up, if my deck stay off it, there's your yeah, If you do your shit, I'll do mine. And it works well, you know, like, we still got along, long light. But he never really comes on the deck, so I can do what the fuck I like on the deck. So I used to just have that thing sitting there, and I grab the needles. Woo! I it go. Didn't phase me until... It was about four weeks into the season... I'd been running on amphetamines, and it just no longer was cutting it. And I couldn't go to work, just physically could not go to work. I was that tired, and I had to take a few days off. And I'd never done that before in my life. And I expected to lose my job, but my skipper was pretty good. And he didn't even guess what was going on. I just lied to him, so... I covered my ass there, and after that, I said, that's it. No more drinking and drugging while I'm working. So for me, that was a good thing. So I'd go start work on 1st of October. I'd get there a month earlier, dry out, and stay dead straight. I'd just go to bed, work, go to bed, work, go to bed, work. And then when I'm finished, I've got so much money, so I just pack up a few belongings, whatever I've got with me, up to Adelaide and I'm straight to my drug dealer's place. And I've never dealt with street... You remember, I've got a lot of money, always have had. So I don't know anybody at street level. I'm buying off of like higher-end buyers. Seven months on the gear. I'm, st- I'm Every year I'm drying out for five months, building my muscle back up, working. So it's just a vicious circle, but it's working well. Oh, I was a functioning user. Then when I broke my hip, I didn't realise I wasn't going back to work and I borrowed money left, right, and centre. And it it was a shocking bill, it was around $100,000 owed. Yeah, um, but I had a unit. So I sold that and I owned it so I let it get down a bit in a good area and I got a lot of money for that. And I paid all my bills and I was left with um, $100,000 can't tell you the exact figure, but it was close to one hundred and fifty thousand in my pocket, and I managed to put it in my arms in just under six months. So a lifetime's worth of work in my arm in six months. You know, like you gotta go. Really? Is that how hard the uh, pull is of this drug? And why? Because they put me on the streets. As soon since as I sold that unit, I, I had something every night to go home to. Even though it wasn't much, it was mine though. It was in a really good area. Now I've got nothing, not a thing. And I I won't let my parents go. Like, that's the thing with good drugs. Though. You won't go and face your people who love you because you know you're going down and you. I couldn't do that to my parents. I used to ring them occasionally and then stop that. So I'm on my own and I decided, well, I'm going on the streets in Adelaide. And if you've never been homeless before, uh, it is not a nice place to be. Like, I'm looking at all these people and thinking, my God, where do they come from? And I had this guy called Grinder come up to me, shake me hand, and he goes, Seen you around yesterday. He says, "I gather you living on the streets." And I said, "Yeah, sort of." He goes, "Okay, do you know where to go, what to do?" And I'm Nut. So he put me under his wing. Probably. So it's probably been ten years now. Of struggle on the streets. So say forty-three thereabouts. So you know, it's not a young. It's no spring chicken being on the streets. But Grinder was the main one. He put me under his wing and he showed me where I could sleep when it was safe, where to go to get food, where to go to get a shower, who to trust. He goes, basically, you don't trust anybody. He goes, don't lend money, don't borrow money. And he said, just be, be polite to people. And he says, and you'll be fine. Because if you see somebody's stuff, don't go through it. And if it wasn't for him... And Age, AJ was still a big help too. I don't reckon I would have got through those first three months. So Honestly, I would've been stabbed, bashed, whatever. Or probably done that to somebody else. And so for somebody to walk you through it all, you end up having well I did with Grinder. I have my I'd do anything for that man. You can't accept homelessness. It shouldn't be accepted. It's, um, it should be all right. Let's get these guys. And I know people are really good-hearted and they're getting better. Quite often I'll be asleep somewhere and I'll be woken up with a couple of cups of coffee and the sandwiches and all that. That's great, love it, you know. This is, somebody used to do it for me when I was living on the street. Never knew who it was. But every second day there'd be two cups of coffee, some rolls and a sweet bun and all that. And they put them right by my head, right? And I, I don't know how they did it because I normally wake up when somebody comes alongside of me. And they never wake me up once, they never asked, never wanted to talk to me. So whoever it was, and if you ever get to see this, just thanks, you know, it's, it's not much, but people give us money too, which is well and good, you know, they think they're doing the right thing. But giving people money's not the option because most of us are users, alcoholics. First thing we do is go and get on and have a drink. I don't know how to explain it. You can get, you have your moments, especially with ice, you know. You want to get straight, you've had enough, and you go and see somebody, say, talk to us, we'll get you, we'll fix you, you know. Don't forget, we're always there. Well, you don't even know these people. They're just a face. They work for the government. They work for Salvers, whoever. And they expect you, in one minute of knowing them, to sit down and say, oh, yeah, I'm a bad junkie. This is how my life's been. Feel sorry for me, but I'm a strong person. I'm giving up, but I can do this all by myself, and I'll never, ever want for drugs again or alcohol, and I'll completely go to church every Sunday, and guess what, I'm going to be the Prime Minister of Australia. It doesn't fucking happen. Uh, it's a struggle, at the best, that's what I would call it. You know, like, everybody stumbles as far as I'm concerned. If somebody says to you that they've been straight for five years and they've had a good cracking habit, I don't believe it. I reckon they've stumbled somewhere along the line, maybe once, maybe twice, maybe once a year. Who cares? They They stumble. A Stumbles nothing if you can stumble, pick yourself up, and keep going again, then that's acceptable to me. That's acceptable. I had serious ice issues, like, I mean, I hadn't straightened up for five years, and I'm not choking when I said I had not straightened up. And uh, 76 kilos, and now weigh 110, that's my average weight. So I was down, you know, like 50 kilos, 40 kilos, and it was got so bad that I went and see my mum and dad and which really didn't want to, but I had to because it was either I was gonna get killed or I was gonna kill somebody. It came down to those choices. I was killing myself big time and just came, I went and see my parents. And mum and dad have always known about my drug, never hidden them, can't. But, in saying that, m- Mum and Dad had their heads up their bums, a bit, you know, they knew, but they never delved into it properly. So I woke up and they were staying in their lounge for three weeks. And my mother had opened her eyes for her and there's no rehabs. You know, eight months waiting it's everywhere, 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 that's not good to somebody that wants to give up. And I knew of Beth House, so I said I wouldn't come over. So, my little sister's a social worker, we managed to get it all happening and I rocked up at that house and I turned myself dead straight, because I cut all my ties, that's the only way you can do it, cut all your ties, So, and I've also got Hep C, so I've got to deal with this shit. So it's always in the back of my mind, I always know that I've got those drug issues, then it's trying to find a place to live and i'm fifty five so i haven't I haven't shared a house with a girl like as a girlfriend since, oh shit I would have been thirty odd right? and I'm not even injured. I don't think I could do it and I mean that's a sad thing to say too, because <clears throat> I've got a little bit of time left anyway. I'm dying. They tell me that they, they found these lumps, they're cancerous. They're easy fix, easy curable. Okay, so I run with that. But I'm getting more tests. No one's talking to me. And they called me in for a Monday morning. Um, on the Thursday, was told, i got a house down at Kingston, see a housing test. So everything was woohoo hoo yaha. And on the Monday, we go in there talking about stuff, you know, like Hep C, um, what they found, and basically six to twelve months to live, and and that I honestly didn't see coming, right? Like, because they'd been telling me it was an easy cure, and I'm glad my mate Mark was there because I just was lost for words, didn't know what to ask, didn't know what to do. It's just sort of um, really, this... oh, it was, it was the weirdest sensation I've ever had because it didn't affect me at all. It was just like am I hearing this? So we got in the elevator and Annie from the South rang me And it was packed and, yeah, when I heard a voice, yeah, I had to go out the elevator. So now it's... I've got now what I believe is a time frame to work out and do the things that... So I'm lucky in a way that I can get in and do and... I'll be happy, you know, like, everybody says, we well, you've got a bucket list, and I suppose I do in a way, like, once to go home to my family, which is not in a bucket list, that is what you should do anyway, I mean, so I'm going to back to mum and dad and sisters, all my kids are up in Queensland, five of them, so I get to go back and I get to see, I got an elder sister too, which, she's coming to see me and mum and dad, and. I can't remember the last time we were all together. And for the first time in ever, all my five kids, my mum and dad will be together up in Queensland. I've never had all five kids together before. And I get to see my grandsons. So I think as long as I get to do that and none of my kids are angry with me, yeah, I I think I've won. Yeah, uh, you know, like a bit earlier than I'd like, but uh, that's it, isn't it? No more girlfriends. I don't have to put up with them. <laughs> that's not funny at all. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just come to the, it's the end of the chapter, isn't it? But the drugs really brought me down this road. If I, if the Hep C, that's what's done the damage, the, the drugs... Uh, and with the hep C. If you could make different choices, would you have made different That's choices? Not a hope in hell. Not a hope. I know where I've, and I I admit they're real bad ones, but they were choices I made at the time. I believe every choice you make in life, or for me, I can't sort for anybody else, I did it for a reason. or be it a selfish reason or. Whatever reasoning was... Because there's got to be... When you get a choice, and you're go one way, two ways, ten ways, what defines you taking that road? There's something that says to you, go down there. And you probably know it's going to go pear-shaped, uh, but you're still going to go down there anyway. So I look at it this way. I oh, went yep, 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 yep. And we branch off into all these different variables. Now, if I changed one of them what would the end result be? Worse? Better? I don't know. I don't want to get any worse. So no, I wouldn't change anything. You know, nothing really bad's happened. Like, I haven't murdered anybody, I haven't raped anybody, I haven't been a pedophile. So if you take all of that into consideration, and they're the three things I, I would never, ever be and would never want to be, then, yeah, I've obviously made the right choices for me. Not so much for everybody else, but for me, yeah. I'm happy. You know, um, if kids could see what I've done in my life and just get little, like, glimpses. You know, like somebody has a flashing, fleeting memories that they don't understand, they could see the worst of me at my worst. Just a flick of it, just a flick of it. Over the whole time, and they can see what it's done to my... Not so much me, but my all the people that it's affected. Friends, family, kids. I've got five kids that's destroyed their lives with my drug taking, you know, like poor buggers. They all still talk to me, which is... I don't know why. And so if I could just... if they could just look at it and go... Yeah, fuck that shit, then. I'm keeping away from it. I'll be happy. I've done something right, eventually. And that's what all these interviews are about, trying to help somebody not go down the paths that I made. The the bad, bad times. Everybody has bad times in their lives, but um, when you're on the street and you're fucking that paranoid that people are after you, you know, and you're just basically curled up in a ball with weapons around you. and Every noise you're up with no hands, that's Dutch head in. like You're looking down the road and you can see people after you. There's no one there. But you can see them, and I'm telling you, that's that's real. Uh, and I see why so many people end up in the mental ward from it. This is from? Ice. Yeah, yeah. We used to call it speed so case. you has been up for a few days, you know. And you get weird thoughts in your head. And you know they're not right. You know that these things aren't real. You know deep down they're not real. They're not there. But you can't convince yourself otherwise, otherwise you know. It's real. It's real. So I haven't seen any of my family for 20 months. I'm getting older. And, you know, and I quite often I sit down and I think, what would my old man be doing now? Uh, I should be over there with him, you know, like playing around in his shed or drinking piss with him, annoying mum, whatever. But I'm his only son and he hasn't had a really good son, you know, which must break his heart sometimes, but he never shows it. It numbs everything else too, so like at the end of the day, I know he loves me so much, but I wish I could have been in the sun where I, I turned out running the world or something like that, but I didn't. And I think that's pretty cool with RRA. As long as there's no drugs anymore, I think he's happy. So, and yeah, I, and Mum, I miss Mum. Ah, that's a jogger, yeah, so yeah, it's going to be good to get home.